Hello and welcome to episode 92 of the NFL Scotland podcast. We're still in lockdown, so we're still keeping the podcasts coming. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. Free agency is just about done and dusted. It's almost time to focus in on the draft, but there's always plenty to talk about when it comes to the NFL. But as the world remains sportless, well, unless you live in Belarus, we're catching up with a Scottish internationalist to discuss his NFL team and hear how he's coping with the lack of sporting action. And as ever, we'll wrap up with some of the other news that's around the NFL. But as Cameron mentioned there, we're joined by a Scottish internationalist. It's Scottish international cricketer Ali Evans is on the line. Ali, thanks for joining us. Hi guys, no, thank you for having me. Uh, glad to be here and, and something to do and discuss some, some cricket and some world sports in this, in this tough time with everything that's going on. It's very true. It's never dull when you're discussing sport. Ali, we always start with the same five questions for a guest who's on for the first time. So I, I will go with this. We've covered who you are. Tell us a little bit more about what your role involves as being a cricketer. I know you're the president as well of the Scottish Cricketers Association. Yeah, so uh, so I, I'm an opening bowler, so so been involved with the, the national team for, for 10 years now, um, uh, started back in 2009, so uh, very much part of the senior core of the, the team over the transition from, from what was uh, an amateur team sort of slow, moving into the realms of professional sport with cricket in Scotland when I started, and, and now very much a full professional setup that we have. So with that, uh, becomes a lot more responsibilities, but a lot more excitement and a lot more pressure at the same time. Now, it's interesting because Scottish cricket has moved in. And at this point, I'd like to explain to our listeners, you were part of the Scotland team that beat England in the one-day internationalists. You bowled eight overs, one maiden, two wickets for 50. But more importantly, you got rid of the England captain, Middlesex's Ian Morgan. That, that must have been some moment for you. Yeah, that was uh, that's, that was one of the most special moments of my life. Just that that whole experience. Um, it was a very very sort of uh, compact ten minutes for me that period because because as you said, uh, I took the wicket of, of Owen Morgan, um, but also a couple of hours later, I found myself in a fielding position. I don't tend to find myself in one of the more high track areas that bowlers aren't. And the ball got whacked at me and, and somehow managed to cling on. I think the slow motion replay showed the ball sort of sliding up the top of my fingers to remove Alex Hale. So that sort of five minutes was really a sort of crucial moment in turning it. And, and what was really evident was getting the, the crowd on side. Uh, the volume that after that sort of period of time happened was just incredible. So uh, thinking back on that day, there's so many little sort of memories you could share. But certainly that five minute period is pretty special. Absolutely fantastic. I don't know if Cameron realised this when he was contacting you to, to bring you on, but I certainly in my youth was a huge cricket fan. I was a fan uh, of Kent, which was Alan Knott, Chris Tavery, Alan Elam, Derek Underwood, Mike Dines, all of that. So I've got a big cricketing background, so delighted to have you. Let's switch to the NFL. Though. Which NFL team do you support? Uh, I am a Tennessee Titans fan. Uh, have been... Uh, sort of very loosely uh, for, for, for a number of years, going back to even when there was an NFL Europe uh, competition, uh, loosely there. But it's really been the last sort of four years I've found myself really gravitating back to the sport. And, uh, and it's taken over. It's my number one sport I follow, actually. I'm a, a huge fan and, uh, and obviously timed it well. 
with uh, Marcus Mariota being drafted and we'd gone from winning five games in two years and, and the sort of rise and the sort of change he sort of implicated and all the coaching changes and, and where we sort of got to last year, getting a game away from the, the big dance was, uh, was was really excited. So I got 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 involved at the right time, but uh, but really, really enjoying it. Do you find that you can switch off completely because, I mean, it's just it's the polar opposite of cricket. So do you just switch off and take it all in as a fan? Uh, yeah, yes, yes, and no. I I, I do uh, because I say the thing about when you when you play sport and you're engrossed in in a sporting environment so much is you have to have the ability to get away from it. Uh, I have to have the ability to to completely switch your mind off, otherwise it becomes all encompassing. So uh, to do that is is great, uh, and and I can very much be a be a fan for 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 those sort of four hours. Oh, I say four hours. I follow it all week. Who am I kidding? Um, <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, it's a, it's a real good opportunity for me to escape. But, but then there's always the, the really interesting, I find really interesting to compare across sports and, and speaking to other uh, men and women who play other sports uh, is just wonderful to sort of hear the share, the, the very much the similarities, but the differences that we all sort of uh, have to face on a day-to-day uh, grind. So if we gave you your dream and allowed you to play in the NFL, which position would you play, Ali? Oh, I think safety. I'd love to play safety. I think my, my other my other sport I played a lot growing up, although I played every sport, was was, was hockey. And, and a lot of what I did in that was sort of playing in the centre of the pitch, whether it be sweeper or sort of a defensive midfield role. Uh, this sort of the view of the whole, the pitch and, and, and folding in front of me and sort of trying to uh, break down and communicate what was going on and, and work with the defence and everything. I, just that whole... Uh, that whole image uh, is just always resonates with me, and I love tackling. When I played rugby as a kid, uh, I'd be the first to sort of stick my neck in against the, the biggest bloke on the other team. So, just that ability to sort of uh, have the full vision, the whole picture of the game, and, and then be able to sort of give a big hit and something like that. Um, not not I quite have the physique for that anymore, uh, but or that not although I ever had it, but just that that's always sort of what I envisioned myself doing. Cameron, this is good news. When we put together the NFL Scotland All-Stars, we've got a safety, a star safety in the making here. <laughs> Someone had to play it, so it's good to see someone's putting themselves forward for it. <laughs> It'd be the only way I'd get into the team. Everyone else probably says quarterback or wide receiver or something. I've got to play the odds and get in the team somehow. No, you fine. wouldn't believe the number of kickers we've got. Just, oh, there's <laughs> currently 10 kickers and a safety, so we're, oh, we're building. We're building. <laughs> oh, there we go. I could play on special teams. I could, I, could be, I could be the long snapper as well if needed. <laughs> Excellent. I've I've always fancied uh, special teams, but we'll we'll come back to that another day. Ali, you are like everybody else in this country. You are slightly underemployed at the moment. What are you doing to stay fit? Uh, yes, well, uh, getting out when I, and having making sure I'm getting my um, my one days uh, my my exercise a day out and about. So um, we've been given uh, the, the whole squad has has been given a, a sort of quarantine program from from the strength and conditioning coach and head coach uh, which includes both sort of uh, workouts we can do from from a strength capacity sort of indoors uh, and also a, a more conditioning uh, fitness aerobic uh, workout that we can take into out, outdoors so a combination of long runs shuttles uh, etc I've, I've got a park out the back of my flat um, which has got a sort of a football pitch that's not being used at the moment so I've got lines of different distances so I think just just that sort of half an hour to an hour that I'm getting out and getting some fresh air and, and sort of putting my body through its paces is clearing the mind more than anything else. Um, and then, as I said, I've, I've got a few weights and things at home and 
etc and sort of finding creative ways to get as much weight into a into my hockey bag as possible and squatting that and deadlifting that and etc and sticking hammers and wrenches and everything you can into bags so um it's it's quite creative to try and find ways to stay fit but uh, but those kind of say those hours sessions that i'm doing are, are sort of keeping keeping me sane and, and a bit of madden of course you can't you can't go too far wrong with madden <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Now, one of the things, I mean, we'll come on to the NFL in just a second, but just to stay with your chosen sport, your profession, what do you think this is going to mean for the game? Can you see us playing serious cricket, you know, come June, July? Uh, that's a very good question. And, and I know certainly Cricket Scotland, the stance has been that, that, that there's going to be no cricket activity at all until the 1st of June. Um, so that gives everyone some a real sort of at least clear picture where we are at the moment and can potentially sort of put a plan A, B, C of contingency plans ready. So I, th- I think that's that's the thing is across all sports and, and everywhere, any industry that's being affected by this is if we take too long in kind of setting up what the plan might look like afterwards, uh, you know, the, the delay could be almost as as, uh, bring as, as bad as an effect as, as what we've missed out already. So uh, I think with that in mind, it's really good to have a base plan and work from that. And I know that the, the guys in the, the offices are working hard at that. We've we've got a very important series of games against Australia and New Zealand in, in mid to late June. Um, so that's going to be really critical for us to hopefully try and find a way to get those those done. But I think that the, the big the big one we want to make sure happens and, and happens as smoothly as possible is we've got the, the 2020 World Cup in Australia in October. Um, and I think all, everywhere around the cricket world, people sort of recognise and realise the importance of the global tournaments like the World Cups, mainly for, not only from a sort of putting in the, world, uh, the, the global eye, but also the financial ramifications. You know, cricket's constantly uh, battling uh, with, with it finances against this rugby and football and American sports in their markets. And, and we see the real benefit of those massive global tournaments going ahead. So I think uh, with us having qualified for that, it's really important for us to get out and, and showcase where we are you know, in the world, we've been in some big countries around the world in the last two or three years, and and to go out there and put a real good show on on the World Cup on the, on the biggest stage would be really important. Yeah, because it's difficult because what we're looking at, and I'm d- delighted to you that Scottish cricket is planning, you know, different dates, different scenarios. I think that's what all sports should be doing. But like most sports, Ali, it's a very interesting calendar. It's a schedule, so you can't just suddenly slot things in in other places in terms of the nfl i mean this is interesting it's obviously affecting going to affect training camp people are talking about the draft and the medical side of it are sportsmen creatures of habits anything that comes along to mess things up do they take it badly uh they can uh absolutely and this is this is the beauty of, of of sports is that um, the, the, you never know what challenges are going to be going to be thrown up to you, um, and especially uh, you know things like the NFL or who who have a very regimented schedule. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a seventy. Well, it's it's going to be what an eighteen week season now, but seventeen week season and then playoffs, and then you have you know your OTAs and your mandatory mini camps, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's all sort of regimented into to the daily grind that these guys go through. You know, you compare that to say uh, us at an international cricket level. That that yes, you've got your own domestic seasons, but uh, there's no regimented. We play tw- 12 months of the year, 
uh, you know, and it's not always the same time of year in the same pockets. Various tours will take us to Africa, to the Caribbean, to, you know, the Southern Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere. So, so we've very much been adaptable uh, and have to be adaptable because we, we never know as and when tours will be arranged, rearranged, depending on where we've qualified or not qualified or placed or not placed. So I think from an NFL standpoint, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how people react. Um, you know, I know I've heard some people talking about when there was the lockdown over the uh, last players agreement, what, uh, you know, what effect that had on uh, especially people, you know, players changing teams or rookies coming in, etc. I mean, I think it's an interesting one because personally, I think rookies are going to be the one who, who have maybe adapt to this potentially best because they don't know exactly what a day to day life as an NFL player is. They obviously get you know, a lot of coaching and, and help from the college and, you know, they'll be transitioning and all the coaches will be telling them what the life in the NFL is like, etc. But if they're going with the right attitude to be a sponge and to go in and, and make the most of the opportunity, uh, you know, they, they'll be ready made for that. So I think that's the really intriguing thing is, is the adaptability of new players to new teams and veterans because, because you know, the schemes they're potentially changing to, etc., are going to have a big impact. And I think it's not necessarily the physical uh toll that's going to be taken and everyone's going to be as physically fit because you know these are the best athletes in the world arguably it's going to be how they are able to adapt to the different environments they find themselves in Cameron I think it's a really good point that Ali's made do you think there's going to be an advantage for teams that aren't changing coaches aren't changing their main quarterback the main running back you know and getting the majority of their players back yeah, I think across any sport, if you're able to maintain some kind of consistency, especially in a time like this, I think that's going to be key. Um, it means that those players, whilst they're away from each other, haven't necessarily lost that relationship that they've built with those guys around them. So, although the flip to that is exactly what Ali was saying there about rookies coming in and whether or not they'll be in a slightly more advantageous place to, to take advantage of the fact that they're not used to a certain way of life. So, you know, if that's to believe, I think it's the, the Dolphins have the most amount of picks in the draft this year. So uh, if that's the case, advantage Miami Dolphins. They'll be delighted to hear that. Um, it's very disruptive. And I think it's the whole thing as well about not knowing when this is going to come back. You know, I assume as well, and I was going to come on to this, Ali, but being president of the Scottish Cricketers Association, how closely were you following the collective bargaining agreement and how interested were you to see how the dynamics of that played out? Yeah, uh, hugely, uh, hugely interested. Uh, you know, anything that's, that, that provides an opportunity for us to see how, um, you know, governing bodies and, uh, you know, sports bodies are, are working with their players uh, uh, to make, you know, to make sure the players are getting the, the fairest and best opportunities to, to earn while they're in this profession uh, and make the most of it and also make it as safe as possible and how those relationships work. Um, you know, it's really interesting. Obviously, the, the scale that, that they're working on in terms of the number of players uh, and, and the level they're at is, is much further down the line than we are. Um, but I think it was interesting cause a couple of years ago, the Australian uh, Cricketers Association, they had... Uh, a new agreement with with the Australian Cricket Board as well. So so very similar to, to what we've just seen with the NFL. There was, um, you know, really interesting to pick up on on how those interactions take place. And I think uh, you know, so we we're only into what year eight or nine of of having professional cricketers in Scotland, and we've grown from having I think it was two originally to now having a, a letter, twelve players based in Scotland who are on some sort of central contract, and then having another five or six who are on contracts 
with counties, uh, although the county is the main employer, so they often have uh, say if needed in any sort of uh, decisions on who where they play for, whether the county or the country. I think just the, the intricacies of every association, every sport around the world are very different, but there's also some common themes that uh, essentially that it's a very short window you have in this career as, as a professional sportsman or woman. So the ability to, to be uh, earn as much as you can uh, uh, and so you can set yourselves up to, to what you can do after, after sport because there's some very, very ambitious, very intelligent, very uh, talented men and women out there who, who want to go on to other things and, uh, and want to set themselves up as best as possible but don't have that opportunity because the sport becomes all-encompassing. So I think it was really good to see that with the, with the, ra- the, way, the sorry, raising of the minimum wage in the NFL – uh, that that allowed uh, you know the masses to be heard, and, and it's, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a collective bargain agreement. So the collective, as a whole, was 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 represented and, and, and got what was best for them, rather than sort of particular particular pockets of of players groups. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. And coming back to that point that you made, Paul, as well about lack of you know the lack of disruption being a positive. If you look at through the departures that some of the teams have faced into bringing it back to the NFL, obviously the Dolphins, I, I joked about them, obviously being an advantage, bringing in all the picks. They've not had many people leave, but it's because they never had anyone in the first place. There was hardly anyone there at all. Actually, your Saints are in a good position for that because you've not really lost anyone massively significant, I don't think, to the, the starting team. Von Bell and Eli Apple possibly losses to the team? No, I, I don't think so. I think we're possibly a referee and a side judge away from <laughs> the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm not letting that go, as you probably imagine. <laughs> I would dis- I would disappoint people. No, I think we're in a we're in a very good place, and I I think when you're in a place where you can sit, go into the draft to select the best player available. I think that's always a great, rather than going in with a, a great need, I think that's always a good position. Now, yeah, there's, there's certain, you know, if it's 50-50 between two positions and you, you've got a slight more need, but it's interesting. And, I, and I'm wondering, I mean, Ali, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, the focus in Tennessee last season was obviously the turnover from Marcus Mariota to Ryan Tannehill. You wondered if he would get a chance to try and win his job back. But, I mean, obviously he's been shipped away to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. So it's now Tannehill's team. Yeah, and I think uh, I think we go back to what we were discussing there, is that, that especially in the uncertainty of what the off-season looks like, that, that continuity uh, is, 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 is hugely important. Um, and I think, you know, there was obviously the rumours circling uh, around potentially one TB12, whoever he might be. Uh, and <laughs> Finding his way into into Nashville, um, and and obviously he's ended up in 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 Tampa. And it's funny, my my former flatmate's a big Bucks fan, so we were going back and forth on whether it was better if he landed in Tampa or Nashville. But I, I think I, ultimately, I think what John Robinson has done is done the absolutely right thing. Um, when when you find somebody and you find a a formula that works, what, why would you want to upset the apple cart? Um, you know, it's now uh, I think with with Marcus leaving and, and the likes of, of um, Jarrell Casey uh, leaving Wesley Woodyard, uh, who's who I think will, will, whether he comes back or not is remains to be seen. But you've lost three of your main captains there out the door, and I think that then allows Tannehill 
to make it his team. You know, he, he obviously will have, there's a big leadership void there missing in that locker room from a player's standpoint. So I think with that, um, and also with Dean Keyes, the defensive coordinator, retiring for the second time, again, that's, that's a big voice gone from the changing room. So now that gives Tannehill a real opportunity to stamp his authority on it. And I think, uh, I think people, you know, gained within locker room, gained his respect for, for what he did in the turnaround he made. And, and if you look at the stats, you know, he was, he was a top three or four quarterback for, for the, for the second half of the season. And I, I think he was number one in, in yards per attempt, et cetera. So, why that's the way you want people to play quarterback they're the sort of stats you want people to to put out and 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 if you look at his time in Miami yes he was up and down with injuries but you know did he always have the best you know opportunities with what's around him and I think uh with bringing Derek Henry back and uh, other pieces and that continuity I think we can see if he can and do it again and and the, and the wage, you know, the contract he was given, actually, I think if you look down the line in two or three years' time with, with what the quarterbacks that are coming along the line are going to be paid, I think people will be looking back and going, actually, it's not the biggest contract as people right now think it is because I think this the average salary is going to skyrocket. Yeah, there's a lot more money coming into the game, that's for sure. Are you a big Mike Vrabel fan? I mean, he, he took a bit of stick at some point. I, I am, actually. I, I, I am. Um because what I like about it is, is he, you know, he is a team first head coach. Uh, you know, it's, it's from what I've seen and from what I've heard. And I was actually lucky enough to meet him uh, last season when, um, or two seasons ago when the Titans were over playing against the Chargers in London. I went down to watch that game and, and actually went and, and had an afternoon with the, with the, with the uh, Titans as, as they were doing their training in Richmond Park and actually put my cricket back down and, taught some of them a little bit of cricket and everything else and swaps and stories and, and was lucky enough to meet him then. So, and just it, the aura he had around him about that kind of galvanizing people, building the collective and building the right, bringing back the right people and bringing out the best in people rather than that sort of authoritarian style of, of management, which I think um, it's not what, you know, the management I like to see. And I think he empowers people to do well and that's ultimately what's 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 changed um over the last sort of 24 months it's not necessarily been the play calling everything else it's more the empowering people around him to take ownership and, and do what's best for them i think that's fascinating so so who have the the tennessee titans uh, impressed you most with their cricketing skills um well i, well, I have to say that Kevin Byard uh, was uh, was 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 pretty good. Uh, I was actually very impressed. It, it was quite funny watching all of them actually hit hit the ball because obviously the, those who have played baseball, um, you know, the idea is for the ball to go anywhere, you have to whack it properly. But the way cricket bats are, you can time the ball and actually it it, it still flies off the bat. So but look on some of their faces when they kind of had this hard cricket ball and they and they tried to hit it and they barely touched it and it, it flew away. Uh, was 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 a picture to behold, and and then sort of reminding them that yes, we catch this ball without a glove on, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which again they did not break fingers and everything, but but um, but yeah. So Ke- Kevin Byard, apart from actually Mark, Mike Vrabel's son, who who is a baseball a baseball player himself at our high school, I believe he he was the best. But um, but yeah, so they're more on their pads, wheedling this cricket bat about. It it looked like a twig in Derek Henry's hands, but as you can imagine, <laughs> but. It was just, it was fascinating to see their kind of, I think what we were saying, when they start to think about other sports and they had more questions to me than I had for them, it was, it was quite an experience. 
I've just Googled this because uh, I, I completely missed this bit of content when it happened. And I'm normally quite on top of these things. But, yep, if you Google Tennessee Titans and cricket, there you are. Ali Evans <laughs> all over YouTube on the uh, Tennessee Titans website. Look at that. Yeah. But what an experience uh, that must have been, though. It, it was something special. I, I, I didn't get to, I wanted to have a throwing competition with Marcus Mariota to see who would, uh, <laughs> to see, you know, Maybe not quite, you know, a 60 yards, 60 yards, uh, you know, loft into into a barrel or something like that. But some sort of accuracy competition. But unfortunately, he had far too many media duties to come in there, <laughs> unfortunately. And 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 but all the all the special teamers, all they want to do is talk about golf. And they're saying next time we come over, they need to come up and play St Andrews, you know, and everything else, you know, Brew Brinkley and and Ryan Suckup is unfortunately now left and, uh, and and Brett Kern. So it was just great just to have an afternoon, you know, chatting about sports and you know, from different sides of the pond. Are there any cricket players that you think have any kind of attributes that would lend themselves into the NFL? Like if you were to pick one or two cricketers that you think, do you know what, he could do something in the NFL, what are the names that spring to mind? Uh, I think half, half the cricketers could say Paul Alexander could be kickers because they've all played rugby and every yeah. every single cricketer you seem to speak to, they all seem to play standoff. So they all will say, oh, it's easy. There's, you know, I'm not dropping. It's not a drop goal. It's just put it down and kick it. So uh, that would be the, the first one. It's, it's, it is really intriguing because you, you look at the, you know, when people think about cricket, um, you know, those who don't sort of follow the sport closely will, will, will think of potentially past eras and, and the sort of, you know, uh, boozers and things like that, that that you see, you know, the Australians and English of the Ashes all those years ago on the balcony, etc. And, uh, and, and, and uh, you know, now whites and they're everything else in five days and sandwiches in between. Monday crickets, you know, is so far beyond that now, you know, with the IPL and T20 and the Big Bash and the 100 starting in England uh, and all these franchise T20 tournaments around the world. They're proper athletes. You know, I would encourage anyone to go and Google some of the fielding you see the boundary fielding and the inner fielding and, and the catches that are being taken and and the athleticism that's required now to be able to hold your own is 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 incredible. So you know you, you think about so it's, it's not just an ability to bat or bowl. It's 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 pace across the ground. It's tracking balls. It's taking diving catches, having run 50, 50 yards around the boundary. So there'd be people out there who who have rocket arms, have an ability to to move and catch and dive and a, a lot of transferable skills. And this is the sort of things I was discussing uh, with, with, with a lot of them is actually the, the, just the general base athleticism you need uh, to play any sport at a high level now uh, is required in everything. So, you know, whenever I go into schools or have opportunities to speak to people, that's why I always say play as many sports as you can. You have to play as many, get that, that base level athleticism up in any way you can and then as you get older and you find what really passionate for you and what what falls your way then then go for it so you know i think uh, they would you'd be intrigued to see that that how how good actually some of these people might be getting hit by someone who's 250 pounds or whatever it's a slightly different (laughs) kettle of fish but uh but you know i think given time people would get there see i find that really interesting i'm a big baseball fan as well ali and i've stood on a few of the major league fields when I've done the tours and you don't realise just how big the fields are and it's the same for cricket, you cover a lot of ground when you field you know, you've got to have that ability, that judgement and it's possible you know, it's, it's like many sports, there's glamorous things, I always think, you know, batting and bowling is glamorous but I'll tell you a good fielder 
if you've got a couple of them in your team, that that can tip the balance. Uh, absolutely. I mean, and that's the thing is is people often forget, you know, juniors or whoever, or you know, or your um, recreation team. You spend more time fielding than you do anything else. Even if you go out and score, you know, 150, 200, and you have the best innings in the world, and you bowl your 10 overs and, and what have you, you're still spending more time on your feet fielding than you are doing anything else in the game. Um, so the the importance of having that sort of core athleticism and, and, and ability to add value back is is, is really, really important. And, and you, you, know, you referred earlier to the, the game uh, where we beat England in 2018. That wouldn't have been possible without two runouts, you know, and two excellent runouts. And and it, and it's little moments like that that can make a real difference. And it's only one little thing on the stat sheet, but you know, everyone talks about that one percenters. And it's similar, you know, you hear coaches and GMs talk about in terms of thinking about the NFL is if you're rookies or if you're on the fringe on the bubble, if you can offer something on special teams and you can be diverse enough to play in two of the three disciplines then that gives you a massive opportunity to, to make a difference on the team. And, you know, Bill Belichick, you know, he, he, one of his big philosophies is how important special teams are. And, and sometimes those sort of, as you said, those ugly yards or those ugly bits of fielding, you know, they make all the difference. So bringing it back around to your Titans then, um, obviously we've touched a bit on free agency there. Uh, we've talked about the fact that Tannehill's had a big contract. You know, you've, you, there's a lot, more gone out than come in but with the exception of one or two i don't think there's anything massive left the building uh are you pleased with what you've got so far what do you want from the draft and do you think that in 2020 you go forward or do you step back uh i uh, answering answering order i i it's a push on whether i'm 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 happy or i'm not because I mean, the, the two big things obviously alluded to were, were Derek Henry and and, and uh, uh, Ryan Tannehill. Um, you know, you look at the two years prior, we, we were barely scoring, what, 17 points a game on average. You know, when they, those two uh, came in and, and were starters and made those positions their own, we were averaging 30 points plus a game, which in the modern game is what what you need. Um, you know, I do worry about losing Jack Conklin at right tackle. Um you know, we've got Dennis Kelly, who, who, who's been our swing tackle for a number of years. And, and going back to that consistency, when he's sort of come in to fill in for injuries or other reasons at tackle, he's been very good. So, again, an opportunity for him to step in. So it's not like we're bringing someone completely, completely new in. So, so that's hopefully going to be uh, hopefully going to add some parity there. Um, you know, I think the, the one big thing for me in terms of and this leads on to the draft is what we do in potentially replacing Logan Ryan. Because I think last year, um, you know, it was underestimated actually how well our defense uh, played. Uh, And that sort of came from having a sort of uh, a defensive back rotation of of Malcolm Butler, Dory Jackson, Logan Ryan, uh, Kevin Byard and um, and Kenny Vaccaro. You know, real five outstanding, you know, above average starters. Um, and so you sort of take Logan Ryan. I think I had 90 odd tackles out of the equation. That's a that's a lot of production to replace. So I think if we can find a way, um, and obviously with with Lutton Jarrell Casey go, um, you know, he, that, that, I, I think John Robinson's done that for a reason. Uh, he wouldn't sort of let let uh, someone a five time Pro Bowler who's been a Titan his whole career 
either if he didn't have a reason to use that 11 million cap space he freed up. So whether that, you know, if he could look to bring back someone like a Logan Ryan, then, then, you, then you're feeling comfortable. And going back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, when you come to the draft, then you just pick the best available player. I think that would then allow us to do that um, because uh, you wouldn't have to feel worry about filling a need in at, at that slot corner position. Um, uh, and because the other real, another real issue is 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 pass rush, whether that's internal or external uh, or on the on the edges. Uh, you know, we brought Vic Beasley in, who I think it's fair to say is underwhelmed in his career. So um, so I think a, a one year prove it deal for, for the talent he has, because I think as an athlete, um, I think you might know, be saying he was one of the best athletes that's gone through the draft process. So in that position, so if sort of hopefully he can have a season where he can get double digit sacks. Um, and then you've got, you know, Simmons stepping in for Casey having left. So you've got a, a sort of a hole to fill on the interior there. So I think if we can find a way to bring a slot corner back, like someone like a Logan Ryan, um, again, adding that continuity and providing that leadership, then that allows us to go best available player, whether it be at uh, edge, whether it be in, um, you know, interior defensive line um, or, or what have you. And I think after that, it's, it's an ability to find to find depth and keep pushing people uh, after that you know what comes behind Derek Henry is going to be interesting uh, you know there's there's a, a couple of real good running backs which are worried going to be out of reach to get them in the second or third round so what happens there I'd be intrigued to see um, but I think if we get that slot cornerback position sort of filled up uh, with, with, with something before the draft then that will allow us to go best available player it's interesting as well. I've just had, been looking through the draft picks. We talked at the top there about the Dolphins. The Dolphins have 14 picks in the draft. The The Saints have the least with five. My Niners have got six. And then the Titans have got seven. So our three teams combined only have four more picks than just the Dolphins, which is just, you know, if you're a Dolphins fan, you've got something to set up for every single night. Um, I, I've got round one and then I can forget the uh, Friday night nonsense, that that's just for someone else to pick. Um, but, you know, at, at 29 in the first round, the Titans will still be able to go and get a class first rounder if they pick well to fill a gap. And interesting that you say that, uh, you know, best available player, a lot of the mocks that I've been sitting looking at, actually there's not really a theme around a particular position that you need to necessarily go and pick up. Um, you know, some of them are way more obvious. The higher up you go, the the more obvious it seems to be. But it does feel like there's a real core of quality in Tennessee now uh, that, do you know what, it's going to be a tough ask to repeat and get as far into the postseason as you did this year, especially now as well. That division feels a little bit tougher with the Colts sort of tooling up for what should be a competitive AFC South. But it's it's still achievable. Um, f- you know, you touched on Derek Henry there. I felt, and I had Derek Henry in my fantasy team, my dynasty fantasy team for the last couple of years, and eventually traded him away before the start of the season because I was sick of him. And of course, he went <laughs> off the absolute rails. It was ridiculous. But it felt like the the offensive line was an issue in Tennessee, and I think I've bemoaned it last year on on the podcast. It felt like that offensive line got itself in a little bit of order this year. That allowed Derek Henry to utilize what he's particularly good at and that's being powerful when he gets up to speed. So often you saw him just getting two yards, three yards, and it was because his offensive line weren't creating the gaps, weren't giving him the space for him to build up the momentum that allowed his size to, you know, he uses that to power through and just stiff-arm players out the way. 
now that he's able to do that, really, there's there's not a lot can stop him. Um, and as much as the Chiefs and Frank Clark banged on about how disappointing he was, it wasn't Frank Clark that stopped him. Um, it was a combination of a very determined defensive effort by the Chiefs that managed to, to prevent him from having as effective a game as he had been doing. But a big, big player, you'll want to see the same from Tannehill. You'll want to see progressions from some of those youngsters as well, AJ Brown, Corey Davis. Corey Davis is a funny one. He's never quite come to fruition. He's never quite become that player. Do you think, though, now, under Tannehill, with a bit of consistency, he can go on and thrive? Uh, I think so. It's, it's an interesting one, that because I, I actually think it potentially might be more the, the revelation and success of AJ Brown that, that, that can allow Davis to, to hopefully, from our perspective, find why we drafted him five overall because I think as you say it was a lot to come in and you know the the, the, the passing game in Tennessee has been um, somewhat of a, a struggle for, for a number of years and, until the second half of last year and you had Mike Malarkey with his exotic smash mouth and a lot was going through Delaney Walker and the tight ends and that kind of you know you know passing through across the middle rather than using the, the whip um of the field uh, and, and throwing and throwing across the middle a lot. So when he came in, there was this big expectation on him, and and it was a lot to put lot to put on him. Especially you know he got injured and missed his first training camp and missed the start of his rookie year, you know, and that obviously has a bit of a hangover effect. So I, I wonder if that by AJ Brown, you know, resuming more of that wide receiver one uh, and that allowing Davis to kind of go into that boundary receiver opposite him and as a wide receiver two. Uh, than that, and obviously with, with hopefully Derek Henry having more, you know, more of the same. Then if he's getting sing, if he's only getting single coverage and single looks, then then that route running that he was drafted for, and, and those sort of strong hands and being a taller receiver and, and more of a red zone threat, p- potentially will allow him to sort of to sort of flourish, and they can sort of have that one-two combination, um, you know, with, with him, himself and and, and Brown. Uh, so I think that might be the hopefully the, the opening of the, the door for him and, and everything else. But, you know, I, I completely agree with what you're saying there about that offensive line finding itself. And it goes back to continuity. You know, we brought Roger Saffold in last year. He couldn't be beside Taylor Lewan at left tackle because of his suspension for the first four games. So then it took him another three or four games to get up to speed with what that was like on the left-hand side of the line. You know, and Ben Jones at centre, you know, having to ha- have his left guard, including a rookie at right guard. So it goes back to continuity. So if we can sort of bring back as many of the same pieces, which we managed to do on offence, then, you know, it's about adding to what's already there, not having to reestablish, reestablish uh, anything new. What I find interesting, Cameron, is a couple of things. One, Ali can relax. I've got you going 11 and 5, so you're absolutely <laughs> fine. Uh, there are a couple of things here. Ryan Tannehill is already on the 18th all time in terms of passing yards for the Oilers slash Titans. If he was to repeat his season, simply do no more than that, he would actually move up into the top 10. I think he'd probably go about eighth all time, which is quite amazing that, you know, in two seasons, he could go eighth in the all time passing regular season yards. It just shows how much, you know, how bad the Titans got this year. How bad yep. the Titans were for so long. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, not really. I mean, it's interesting if you look at the Titans' quarterbacks. I mean, Warren Moon, Steve McNair, George Blander, the top three, and uh, Marcus Mariota got himself up to position number five. Vince Young, Kerry Collins were there for a number of years, but you know they also under the old Oilers. You know they had 
you know, Ken Stabler played there for a couple of years. Archie Manning, the former Saint, uh, played there for a while. They've had some amazing guys playing quarterback. There's also they've had some guys that I would never have recognised in my life <laughs> as well. Um, draft picks, just a final thing, just because on the Dolphins, because it would disappoint any Dolphins fans. 14 draft picks, that is an awful lot of draft picks to try and blow. Looks like they'll get one or two of them right. <laughs> um, I mean, even 5, 18 and 26. So um, me and Ali can relax for the first round. Paul, your Saints kind of suck this year. So you get one pick before they finish in at 24. We're the late rounds, 29 and 31. The good teams go last, Paul. I don't know if you know how the draft works. Um but uh, we, we can uh, worry we've about that later. We've not drafted high for ages. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, this will be your first first rounder in a while, will it not? Or without yeah. trading back in. Um, yes, I'm looking forward to the draft. Though it's going to be weird, though, um, doing it all via video screen with teams in hotel rooms and conferences. It all seems a bit seedy this year. I suppose it was going to be in Vegas, so you have to keep some of that as part <laughs> of the draft. Um, but at least, you know, the one thing about the NFL and with the way that the season set up and with the way they're free agency in the draft, at least there's something to talk about. Indeed, have you managed, you know, obviously the, the draft last year, Ali, was in Tennessee, which I thought showcased Tennessee absolutely brilliantly. It's one place in the States I've not managed to get to as yet. Have you been over? I have, yes. I, I went over at like the same season, so not last season, the season before, so uh, week two. Um, went over there and had a weekend there and, and caught a uh, uh, Titans-Texans game, uh, which was the game, uh, I don't know how good your memory is, probably not that great for Titans-Texan rivalry, but it was the game when uh, Mario had been injured the, the week before. So we had Blaine Gabbert playing, and uh, I think he only threw about seven or eight passes and, and the only touchdown that we threw was from Kevin Byers and a special teams uh, trick play uh, <laughs> to, to Dane Crookshank but actually managed to, to win the game um, win the game uh, that, in fact we, we did have a we did have another touchdown to, to wide receiver Taylor Tyler Taylor but no yeah amazing city incredible city um, you know I think obviously with the the Country Music Hall of Fame and, and it being, you know, basically country music and, and now just sort of being the hub of all music in in the US uh, really resonates. is is just amazing. The, the Broadway, the strip of about a mile and a half is just, it, it's, you know, it's not just bars on the first floor. It's, it's three stories high and every one of them has got live music pumping out. Um, and obviously a very historical place in terms of American history and culture uh, with the Revolutionary War and then the War of Independence and, and everything else, they, they, they still have that cultural history to it as well. So I would I would re- highly recommend it for, for anyone who wants to who wants to go and and the people there were just were just outstanding. Oh, I'm sold. Cal- I'm sold. That's got to be on our list, Cameron, for our <laughs> NFL Scotland. Our next, so Ali, we did an NFL Scotland trip to New Orleans uh, in 2018, which was stunning. Uh, we're talking either 2020 or due to the coronavirus, might be 2021. So certainly we'll take your recommendation on board for Nashville. Oh, we'll, well take and, you and with the, And the beauty, yeah, I'm more than happy. The, the, beauty, <laughs> the beauty is that the, the, the stage in there, it, it's literally walking distance from the centre of downtown. You know, it's not like up in Boston or the other places or in Dallas where you've got to get an hour's train or bus or whatever else. It's literally across the river. So you, you stumble from the bar into the, into the stadium and then stumble back from the stadium into the bar. You know, it's a, uh, it's a pretty good setup. That's our kind of place. Absolutely. We have to say. <laughs> it's, it's, made to it's made for Scott. It's made for Scott. 
Um, right, okay, so we're just about getting towards the end of episode 92. Before we do that, though, any other news, Paul, that's catching your eye around the NFL at the moment? Well, not quite around the NFL, but I've been watching, because it's on the BBC iPlayer, uh, O.J. Simpson, the Storyville documentary. Now, there was one on a couple of years ago, which was two parts. This is actually a five-part documentary about O.J. Simpson. I've watched the first two, and they're utterly, utterly fascinating. Anybody who is you know, loves the NFL and the college football and things like that, we all know the story of O.J. Simpson, but this, this is a real deep dive. This is great professional filmmaking. And let's be honest, what else are you doing? Give that a watch. O.J. Simpson's Storyville. It was, I think, in association with ESPN. It's, it's just stunning television. Yeah, it's always good to get a good recommendation, especially for something to do at the moment. Um, speaking of something to do, the NFL League meeting, the annual league meeting is going to take place this week where they will formally vote on the new expanded playoffs. To be honest, it looks like it's a, a sure thing. I don't think it's going to be rejected here, but um, apparently it requires a three-quarters majority to win. I think one extra game on wildcard weekend. I mean, I, I don't know about Ali, but I love wildcard weekend because basically I always think the team that is less favoured should just go for it. You've you've got a free hit. And I don't know, Ali, sometimes if you feel like that in sport where you're nobody expects you to win, so you've almost, you know, you shouldn't shrivel up. Sometimes you just got to go for it. I completely agree. Uh, you know, it's, pressure's a funny thing you know, it's in all walks of life, not just in sport, but, but the release of pressure um, is, is is amazing in terms of empowering to, to just let yourself go and, and let your skills, you know, do the talking and, and, and on show. I, I agree. I think expanding it is is great and gives it, you know, also what it does is it gives the latter weeks of the regular season more meaning as well for more teams. You know, one of the things I find very frustrating coming from, you know, British sport where you've got the, you know, football and rugby and relegation and promotion and, you know, tiers of, of, of competition is, um, is just that, that, that element's lost, you know, for teams who, who basically suck for a year. You know, they can suck for a year and yes, okay, the fan base gets a bit disgruntled or whatever else. And then you get into word, you know, get into terms of teams deliberately losing or tanking or whatever else and what have you, or teams who, you know, sort of stuck in the middle around seven and nine or actually, you know, or six and 10, whatever. Actually it gives more teams more longevity to, to, to potentially squeeze into that last wildcard spot, which I think is, can only be good for competition. And also what I like about it most is you get rewarded for, for being number one now in the conference uh, in the division side is so rather than you know being top two is actually you gain something for being in first place you gain the week off you gain the ability to rest and, and heal and go again whereas uh, i think you know sometimes you don't want to sort of celebrate uh, not not achieving top top place yeah, I think that, that, that that's terrific. It's a great way of looking at it. I think they're not over-egging it for me, Cameron. I think that this is a sensible little change. As I say, as Ali said, it's giving that extra to keep on going, just so you know, so in the, the last week, because a lot of guys will want to watch, you know, the last week of the season, and if it's just sort of the walk-ons, and you know they're not doing it seriously, but the longer you can make it serious competition, absolutely for me. Yeah, absolutely. Keep it relevant as well, and make sure that 
teams have something to play for is very important. Uh, it's it, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Interesting to see how they manage to get the extra games in as well. Whether that's going to mean that there's more through the night games for us over here, or even Thursday night football when into the postseason. I wouldn't have thought so, but I think all that's to be decided. A couple of other things that they're looking to do within this vote as well is uh, approve the broadcast networks who will air the new playoffs games. So that's one of the things they're going to be looking at. Uh, they're also looking at whether or not they are going to continue with the deal with Amazon that runs from 2020 to 2022 to do Thursday night football. Uh, so, sorry, they're deciding on a new deal with Amazon that would run from 2020 to 2022. So that's something where we could continue to see Amazon distributing that. And then there's some additional rules about health and safety. Interestingly, it looks as though there's not going to be any votes on playing rules this year with given challenges at the moment apparently all of the calls have been set up for just an hour so i guess that's a good thing <laughs> we're always complaining about some of these new rules so we've been talking about consistency given everything that's going on i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to just hit pause and all that stuff and just go into next year without having extra things for all the players to worry about they could just focus in on staying fit coming back and hitting the ground running as quickly as possible yeah i'd like to see them actually change the onside kick to what we saw in the XFL just to get a higher chance of something happening because I think they've taken away the onside kick. And I would also like to see in writing that the Monday night football team should be replaced with actual people who can broadcast. <laughs> ah, we can see some things never change. Consistency, <laughs> Paul, that's what is the message of the day. I'll go over and do it myself if I have to. <laughs> I'm sure you would. Right. <laughs> Well, if that's everything, then that is the full-time whistle for episode 92. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Share your thoughts on this episode via Twitter at ScotlandNFL and on Facebook by searching for NFL Scotland. We're growing all the time, but need your help to keep that up. We appreciate every retweet and every share. Please keep doing so. And if you've got time, please leave us a good review on iTunes. We'll keep producing podcasts over the coming weeks. But to ensure we don't run out of things to talk about, let us know any areas you'd like to hear us cover. We've also got more interviews lined up, so as, as soon as we've got them, we'll share them with you. A big, huge thank you to Scotland's Ali Evans for joining us. Great guest. Thanks to Ali. Thank you for listening and taking the time to share your thoughts. Keep sending in your topic suggestions. And until next time, from the NFL Scotland podcast team, bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>